and welcome to I Got Sucked Off by Historical King Arthur, a podcast that is a sincere and critical analysis of the Fate series. Uh, this week we are talking about days 5 through 8, I believe? Uh, nope, days 6 through 8. 6 through 8, that's it. I knew it ended at 8, I couldn't remember where it started. 6 through 8 of uh, Fate's Day Night. Who the hell are you? Oh right, shit, fuck. I'm Sierra, my pronouns are she, her. I'm Dustin, right? Pronouns are he, they. One of these uh, days I'm gonna get it right, just out the gate. You've gotten it right several times. This is a, this is a, this is a fairly, fairly rare fuck-up. Uh, uh, so yeah, um, we start on day six uh, of Shiro. Oh, actually, before we begin, um, I do want to give a quick content warning. Uh, there will be a couple places um, in the summary where we will have to, um, uh, where the story will briefly uh, mention sexual assault. Uh, so we will. I will give a specific. I will give a specific warning when we get to those two points. But just as a general warning, uh, that will happen in the story. So you know, do with that as you will. Yeah, it will be less significant this podcast. Um, next one will be much more relevant. Yeah, as, as, assuming we properly remembered the sequence of events in Unlimited Blade Works. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, we start on day six with Shiro having a dream about someone else's memories. Boy, that sounds familiar. Uh, it's important uh, that this is clearly not uh, Sabers this time. Yes, yes, this is... So it's very clearly not Sabers, um, but at the same time, there are a lot of interesting similarities. Yeah, uh, uh, again, between... we have that imagery of a, a, a hill of swords. Yeah, so the person he dreams about uh, wanted to help everyone in his sight, but that person could not save himself. At some point in this person's life, there was a great disaster. Many people were killed, and many more were facing certain death. Uh, however, he could not save these people with his powers alone. So he made a contract with the world itself to gain the power to save them. In exchange, the world would take him after death. At the end, this person loses his friends and lover, and the place he reaches upon his death is a hill of swords. Um, so, not exactly the same as Saber. There are some key differences. Uh, but also the fact that um, they made a contract with the world, um, as opposed to making a contract with the Grail. Um, yes. And in both cases, they agree to let the world use them after death uh, are both the same. Mm -hmm. um, their motivations extremely similar. Uh, uh, the it, way that they lose everyone they care about and then die alone. Mm -hmm. Very similar. So it's not Saber, but it is someone who well, uh, we, we know would clearly understand does not Saber. We, we know sorry? for a fact Saber does Oh, not that's die. true. Yeah, Saber is with Saber dies with Bedivere. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Bedivere is there. Uh, we know for a fact Saber does not die alone and dies, uh, res not resigned, um, peacefully, um, and like satisfied. Uh, like that. That was like the whole ending of the Fate Route. Like she she achieves a a, a peace that's in true. death. Yeah. Um, and, and there is an indication that this person also dies um 
satisfied, it seems, um, because they think they have done what they can to save themselves. But, like, there is a melancholy from Shiro's perspective that there wasn't necessarily for uh, Saber in the same way. Yeah. Um, yeah, the with, other with Saber... Thing- with, with Saber's memories, Shiro viewed them with almost a certain kind of reverence. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, uh, this person does not make a contract with the Throat of Heroes or with the uh, Grail. Uh, he he make, but he does make a contract to be a hero in the same way that like most other heroes do. That is like the other core difference between them and uh, Saber. Oh, Saber yeah. made her contract at the uh, point of death, whereas this person made their contract sometime before death. Oh, yes, that is true. Uh, uh, and, and so, like, this person arguably follows the more typical route of uh, a servant or a hero. Yeah, though, uh, in some, though in a lot of cases, as we know, a lot of most heroes, when they make a contract, do so to gain power and fame. Uh, whereas this is clearly mm-hmm. not the case with this person because we do not know, even know who they are, uh, and it's implied that they died mostly forgotten. Yeah, they, they died unknown uh, and, and solely sought power as a means of helping other people. Yeah. Um, it's a mystery and, who this could be. Yep. <laughs> uh, so Shiro wakes up. And at, when he goes to school, uh, he notices Shinji and asks him what uh, happened, uh, what he did to Ayako. Um, Shinji plays dumb and says that he heard, uh, I, quote, Ayako was fucked up in the back alley. I heard, oh, I forgot it happens this quickly. Uh, so, hey, here's yeah. the content mm-hmm. warning. Uh, so skip ahead a couple minutes if you don't want to hear this. Um, quote, Ayako was fucked up in the back alley. I heard her eyes were spaced out and her uniform was messed up. I'm kind of curious how that conceited girl got trashed, end quote. Um, uh, Shinji is clearly implying that, um, something of a sexual nature happened to Ayako. Uh... When Shinji notices Shiro getting angry, he uses the it's-just-a-joke-bro defense and suggests that it'll, that it'll be hard for Ayako to come back to school uh, after the rumors get spread around, um, with the implication that it is Shinji who will be spreading those rumors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, real piece of shit, this guy. Um, not having any Shinji, proof dude. Of... Yeah. Not, not even uh, like, a, I hate him because he's a bad person. I just hate his presence in the story. Yeah, um, it sucks, uh, especially with like how Shiro just fucking lets him get away with basically everything. Yeah, uh huh. Um, speaking of which, uh, not having any proof of Shinji's wrongdoing, Shiro is is uh, forced to let him go for now. He decides to consult Rin about ways to determine if someone is a master. Um, so granted, it would it granted I I understand why Shiro lets him go in this particular scenario because they are currently at school surrounded by other students uh, but Shiro letting him slide in other scenarios that come up later in these three days make are really in- infuriating to me. Yes, it's very upsetting. Uh, so yeah. Um, uh, on the roof, uh, 
on the rooftop after this, uh, Rin is finishing up erasing uh, active uh, boundary field marks. It's going faster than usual, thanks to Shiro's sensitivity to abnormalities in the air. Uh, Shiro asks her if masters can identify other masters. She says they can't inherently do that, but they can follow magical trails if the master hasn't tried to hide their presence. And having a servant means that a magus will constantly leak magical energy, even if they try to hide it. If Rin can't identify a master even when she's near them, it means they're probably not using their servant. However, Rin guesses that whoever set up the boundary field will come out tomorrow after noticing what they did. Rin tells Shiro they're done here and to get back home as soon as he can. He asks if she's worrying about him, and she gets all sundere about it. Uh, Shiro yeah. then asks... Yeah, she's like, no, I'm, I'm not worried about you. Uh, Shiro then asks if she's getting along with Archer. She reassures him that, quote, he's a good guy even though he's rebellious. He's immature in spite of his look, and he's fun to be with, end quote. Yeah, I, I wonder I, if that could describe anyone else in the story. Can't think of anybody else. Nope, it's fine. <laughs> uh, before going home, Shiro absentmindedly heads to the archery range because the situation with Ayako is still messing with his head. Again, Shiro ignores what the woman is telling him to do, who actually knows a thing or two about surviving the Holy Grail War. Uh... <laughs> Anyway, uh, realizing the club is deserted, Shiro decides to go back home. However, Shinji blocks his way to the school gate. Uh, Shinji reveals he set up the boundary field as a security measure. He says that, much like Shiro, he was also forced to be a master despite not being a magus. He claims he set up the boundary field to protect himself against Rin. Why as does long he... as he doesn't... Go Sorry, ahead. go ahead. I I'm just like, why does he believe him? I don't know. Uh, so I'll, I'll finish up this scene first and then I'll get into why this is just stupid. Um, so he claims he set up the boundary field to protect himself against Rin. As long as, he, as long as he doesn't get attacked, he won't activate it. Shiro wants to believe him, but doubts nag at him. Shiro asks if he attacked the student from yesterday. Shinzi says that was out of his control and his servant attacks people if he lets her be. Shiro chooses to believe his story, but as he's about to leave, Shinji stops him again and asks him for his cooperation. Shiro's hesitant and asks if Sakura knows about all this. Shinji explains that only the eldest son is taught the secrets of magic. Quote, other children are just spare organs. It's meaningless to teach magic to such a thing, and it's a waste of time. A slow woman like her wouldn't be able to use magic. End quote. Weirdly, Shiro doesn't bristle at Shinji talking shit about his sister like that, and is instead simply relieved that she's not involved. Um, yeah. So, uh, Shiro declines to cooperate, but says that he won't attack Shinji as long as, as, long as he doesn't attack him. This is fucking stupid. <laughs> uh-huh. Why does he believe like, him? Yeah, especially since... Earlier in the day, he just confronted Shinji knowing that he did shit to Ayako. And Shinji basically admitted to it. Yes, like... So, what? Shiro knows full well by this time, by this point, that Shinji is fully capable of assaulting someone of his own volition and is a threat. Not only that, we have, like, the entirety of uh, uh, that conversation in, like, those first three days where he is framed as a sexual predator. Like, yeah, uh, he is fully aware that he is abusive towards Sakura. Like, why does he believe him? 
Yeah, like, even in the fate route, it didn't make sense, though it did make... I could more willingly understand why Shiro was so reluctant. Um, Because if I recall, like, I I don't think Shinji had, like, come out and said that he was behind the attack of Ayako um, in that scenario, because Ayako got away, uh, and it just Mm -hmm. didn't really come up again. But in this case, like, Shinji just straight straight up admits what he does like, very early on. And Shiro's still like, oh yeah, this guy seems legit. Like... (laughs) Especially since the Shiro we're dealing with here is not the, oh, I'm reluctant to fight Shiro of the Fate Roots. This is a Shiro who's like, you know, I'm not, I'm, you know, I don't want to kill people, but I, I will, I will absolutely fight to prevent assholes from getting the Grail. It's like, you should be preventing Shinji from getting the grail, then. I don't know why Shinji is his blind spot for him. Like, when Sakura was in his clutches and it was clear, like, oh, hey, anything he does will make things worse for Sakura. Like, yeah, okay, I get that. I don't get why we're supposed to believe Shiro is friends with Shinji in any capacity. Because, like, that's what it's trying to do. It's trying to frame, like, oh, but Shinji's his friend. Like, uh, uh, it's hard for him to believe his friend could do something like this. Like, why is it hard for you to believe Shinji could do this? You've seen definitive proof that he's done this to other women. Yeah, Why is it hard to believe? And, like, the more fucked up thing is that the very next thing that happens after that scene is... I'll continue the summary here, because this is even more stupid. Shinji deduces that Shiro intends to stay in the war until the end, and claims that Sakura will be in danger as long as she stays at Shiro's house. He tells Shiro that he can't let her stay at his house, so Sakura shouldn't be let out of Shinji's place until the war ends. Shiro, a complete idiot, agrees to this. He finally heads home to find Taiga making dinner. Sakura apparently got a call and had to leave immediately. So, like... So I, I at least can understand with the Shinji's context, action. like with the context of what Shinji's already done, Shinji is then like clearly asking for Sakura to come home to use her as a hostage, and Shiro's like, "Yes, that is fine. Go ahead and take her." I mean, part of my read there was uh, uh, Shiro read uh, Sakura being at Shinji's er, at. Uh... Sorry, Shinji read Sakura being at Shiro's place as Shiro having her as a hostage, and, like, that is part of why he was being so polite. Um, even if he is a, an abusive scumfuck, like, you know, he is a possessive and fucked up monster still. Um, so, like, I get Shinji doing what he does, that at least makes sense. Why See, is Shiro I, like this? Yeah, I, I read that differently. I read it as Shinji... Shinji knowing that, like, um, Shiro intends to stay, like, basically, Shiro is is saying that, like, oh, he won't attack Shinji as long as Shinji doesn't attack him. But Shinji thinks that Shiro is is still gonna be in the war. So if Shiro intends to fight, so if Shiro is, is... like actually being honest about not intending to attack Shinji, then like, uh, uh, and like actually trusting Shinji, then there should be no problem with with Sakura coming back. And like Shinji, 
I feel like in this scenario, Shinji knows that Shiro is suspicious of him, at least a little. And, uh, but he also knows that, like, he can, he can, like, logic puzzle Shiro into doing what he wants, uh, as long as he can, like, make it so Shiro thinks he'll be a hypocrite, uh, if he keeps Sakura with him. Like, scenes like this, uh, where it's, like, clashes of personality over conflicting desire require, like, characters with motivations and desires and, like, goals, and, like, Shiro just has nothing in this scene. Like, Shiro moves because the plot says this has to happen. Yeah, like, we know what Shinji's motivation is. Like, Shinji's motivation is that, like, he's a a little shitlord who, um, is is jealous of Rin and the other mages for like having magical talent where, uh, his, his bloodline died out. Right. Uh, and so he wants the grails so he can prove that he's better than these people. Uh, and, and that he deserves to have everything he wants. Like that's Shinji's motivation. (laughs) Right. And, And like in this scene, like it's framed as like this clash, but like, Shiro is just moving because this is what the plot outline says has to happen, and so I guess we have to move these pieces into... Like, it just... It's nonsense, and it's so fucking frustrating and gross, because we know what Shinji is, and he is just a scumfuck, and I hate his presence in this story. It warps every fucking thing in every fucking scene he's a part of. Yeah, like, if Shiro's act... If Shiro's motivation, as he says it is at the beginning of the Unlimited Blade Works route, is to, like... Uh, protect people from being victimized by the war and to prevent, like, truly terrible people from getting the grail. Um, like, I'm sure Shiro would be fine if Rin got the grail. Um, would be less fine if Shinji got it, theoretically. Th- then he he should not be just agreeing to all of Shinji's terms like this. Like, maybe he makes some tactical concessions to... Because, uh, like, again, he doesn't know... Uh, if Ryder is around right now to, like, in- immediately murder him when he's defenseless. Uh, so I get him trying to... It would make sense if he were trying to, like, make tactical compromises to prevent Shinji from, like, going host- going hostile. But just to... He just rolls over. And, and it's like... If we were to buy, okay, uh, Shiro is, this is never stated anywhere in the text or implied in any way, but, you know, maybe Shiro is agreeing because he sees everybody at the school as a hostage because of that boundary field, you know. Uh, Why would he never tell Rin and constantly talk about how, you know, he doesn't want to believe Shinji could do something like that, and so he just doesn't do anything? Uh, Yeah, like, like, like if, 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 the, the thing that would make sense to do in this scenario is, like, a, like compromise with Shinji from now and then as soon as he gets back home contact Rin and be like hey Shinji's extremely sus he just told me he's the one who set up the boundary field we need to take care of this guy before like school starts tomorrow otherwise everyone is in danger because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he suspects me <laughs> uh, like that is that is what you do and instead Shiro is just like all right, well, I believe you. I won't tell anyone about this, even Saber. It's just fucking stupid. 
like it, it, it's not even like oh Shiro made a bad decision in an interesting like no it's just fucking stupid for the sake of the plot. Yeah. It's yeah. so frustrating. Uh anyway, uh so uh at this point you're presented with a, a couple choices of what to do with the rest of your evening. Uh if you choose to check on Saber, uh Shiro goes over the events of the day with her. Um, since Rin expects a battle tomorrow, Saber decides to sleep well tonight to save her energy. However, Shiro decides to hide that he knows Shinji is a master. Saber asks why Shiro is relaxing here when it's so close to dinner time. He says he doesn't have anything to do right now, and Saber expresses concern that he's, he's not the one doing cooking. She tentatively, tentatively asks if he intends to help Taiga a little, because Taiga is the one making dinner right now. Uh, he reassures her that Taiga is an adult, so sure, so surely she knows how to make a simple dish. Saber remains unconvinced and asks threateningly, I can trust you, right? Uh, unfortunately, it turns out Taiga has no idea how to make an omelette and the meal is ruined. Even Saber is having trouble eating it and appears to be quite mad. Uh, uh, is this the one where you could also go to see Sakura? Yeah, so if you okay. choose to check on Sakura at her house... Uh, she's surprised to see Shiro at his, out at this time of day, but she seems happy to see him. He asks if Shinji is around, but she says he's not home yet. He asks who called his house to tell her to come back then. She doesn't know. Taika just told her that she should go home because her grandfather is waiting. Both of them then talk over each other, trying to say that Sakura should stay away from Shiro's house for a while. Uh, Sakura asks him to come visit her at the archery range in the meantime, uh, because Sakura just wants, just wants Shiro to, like, be around her whenever possible, you dumbass. Please, please be nice to Sakura. I love her so much. I just want the world for her. I, be nice to Sakura. She deserves so much. Be nice to Sakura. Everyone's so mean to her and she doesn't deserve it. Be nice to Sakura. Shiro is not, ex Shiro is not intentionally mean to her but he is no, mean by being stupid. such a fucking dumbass uh anyway uh at dinner can't wait the roots... for fucking heavens feel yeah at dinner the roots converge and uh shiro and saber have a strategy meeting since they're pretty sure they'll get dragged into a fight tomorrow uh shiro decides it's prudent to not go out scouting saber agrees he has a point while it's not proactive, their situation their situation demands utmost care to ensure victory. But they shouldn't spend their time leisurely. If they are going to fight Masters tonight, Saber will spend the time training him. He agrees, saying it, it should help him survive longer in battle. Unfortunately for him, Saber is still mad about having a terrible dinner, and she changes in she changes into her battle dress and just goes to town on him. Uh it does kinda rule. Yeah, there's, look, Saver loves her food, and if you fuck up her, fuck up her food, there will be consequences. Mm -hmm. uh, exhausted from both his physical and magical training, Shiro soon goes to sleep. During the night, he hears a feminine voice calling to him, and he starts sleepwalking through Fuyuki. He realizes he can't control his body and can't call out for help. He's being led toward Ryudo Temple. He, he instinctively knows that once he steps through the gate, he won't come out alive. As he is forced to step into the temple grounds, a shadowy figure approaches him. She reveals herself as Castor. Uh, as she taunts him, he tries to figure out how she's controlling him. 
Since magic circuits naturally naturally repel external magical energy, it's very difficult to control a magus even several ranks lower than you. Mm-hmm. He doesn't understand how Caster could be controlling him since she never got close to him before and a curse was never cast upon him. Caster explains that her magic spell is binding that her magic spell is binding him, not her magical energy. Um she wanted to talk to him because he's a master despite being on the same level of an ordinary person. Uh, she also reveals she's been behind the coma incidents since she's been draining energy from the people in the town from her base in Ryudo Temple. Um, Caster- I, I, I do think it is Go important ahead. to like highlight, uh, she specifically says her magic, not her magical energy, uh, which yeah. is like an implication that her magic is... Not quite sorcery, but, like, a step below, um, which, like, as a reminder, like, sorcery is basically another word for miracles, um, and so if her magic is binding him, if she has access to what is effectively magic instead of just magical energy, um, that is fucked up dangerous. She is a miracle worker. Yeah, I believe um, we didn't get a ton of stuff from Caster back in we the fate route, no. but I, I, I do believe that... Um, I think it's either Saber or Shiro that mentions that she's using magic near sorcery, like when she basically freezes time uh-huh. during that route. It, that and her uh, uh, noble phantasm, like just looking at it, he knew was something akin to sorcery. Yeah. Uh, so Caster then prepares to cut off Shiro's arm. She intends to transplant the command spell onto her own master so that they can use Saber. Uh, back at Shiro's house, we see Saber notice that her master is now gone. She discovers a thin string, uh, uh, so thin that, like, even the boundary field didn't notice it, and Saber barely noticed it herself, um, running through the darkness into Shiro's room. She immediately dons her armor and follows the string to Ryudo Temple. However, her advance on the temple is stopped by assassin Sasaki Kojiro, who we met before in the Fate Route. She warns him to move, but like before, he forces her to fight to pass him. As she fights, she worries she will not be able to end the battle in time to save Shiro. Uh, We cut back to Shiro uh, as Caster is about to touch his command spell. Uh, right before she does so, uh, 13 arrows descend from above, and she's forced to back off. Archer reveals himself, and tells Shiro he should be able to move now after he cut Caster's string with one of his arrows. Shiro does have control over his body, but Archer tells him not to move for now if he doesn't want to get killed by Caster. Uh, Archer tells him that Saber is just outside the gate dealing with Assassin. It appears that Caster and Assassin's Masters are cooperating. Caster, however, says she would never never cooperate with Assassin. Assassin works for her. Archer appears angered by this and, telling, and tells her that she broke the rules. Caster argues that Magi summon servants, and since she is a Magus, it's within her right to summon a servant of her own. Uh, so basically, not only is Caster a servant summoned by a master, but Caster also has a servant of her own, uh, which yeah. is why Assassin is like a fake heroic spirit. Yeah, he, he is a fictional person. Yeah. Um, he technically does not exist because Caster... Things get weird when servants summon other servants. Uh, also, Caster like, tell- the existence of Sasuke Kojiro uh, 
is uh, a, like, kind of debated one, if I remember correctly. Or, like, is confusing, at the very least. It, it's complicated. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and he doesn't, ever, doesn't really ever get a focus, so... Mm-hmm. You know, we never really get a clear idea of, like, his... The nature of his existence. Um, yeah, I think anyway. we get a little bit at the end of this arc. Or, or this oh, okay. Um, anyway, uh, Castor tells Archer that she is, the, she is uh, stronger than anyone else here. Uh, Archer shouldn't be able to scratch her. Archer takes this challenge and rushes her down with twin swords, cutting her in half. Uh, Shiro, uh, Shiro stares at his twin swords, capti- captivated by him, because as we all know, Shiro is a sword boy. Uh, Shiro doesn't sense a will or a purpose from the swords like he does with other noble phantasms. Uh, they were created for no purpose, simply because someone wanted to make them. Uh, as he stares at the swords, uh, Castor suddenly reveals her presence, um, because she did the, uh, pretend to get slashed, but actually that was just your cloak thing. Um, and she, uh, fires a large concentration of magical energy at Archer, who just barely deflects it. Uh, in an instant, she casts a great magic, beginning what's essentially a magical bombing run on the area. Uh... For context, uh, it should not be possible to cast magic uh, that is this powerful uh, in just an instant. Um, even yeah, for Shiro... very skilled maguses, it would take at least several minutes to actually cast the spell. Yeah, Shiro says basically a single one of those bolts should take uh, a 10-verse spell and a magic circle. Uh, and even like incredibly good wizards should take more than 30 seconds per bolt. And meanwhile, she is just firing them off like fucking machine gun fire. Yeah. Um, I, I did also want to say something about uh, Shiro's fascination with the swords. Uh, it's specifically, uh, he, it's like a, that these swords were not like uh, fighting spirits that intend to beat others, a desire to be famous, faith to accomplish some great deed, the sense of purpose found in famous swords or demonic swords is not in these. Um, and like, that, that is again, similar to Shiro in like, there is no desire for fame or like fighting spirit. Just like a, they were made because somebody wanted to make them. I think these are swords, uh, unrefined twin swords, made without a will, as if to question the meaning of the swordsmith. And like, yeah, that's kind of just Shiro. Um, yeah, uh huh. Like he is a person who operates without a will, uh, whose like function at this point is to question the meaning of the swordsmith, who is also him. Like. Part of the issue with this is Shiro is content to be a sword rather than, like, a person. And, like, hey, man, you you gotta be a person, though. Like, you, you yeah, do gotta you, be a person. You gotta you need have to figure a out what your purpose is. <laughs> like, what is, what is your purpose behind being in this war? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, Ar- uh, as the bombing raid begins, Archer yells at Shiro to run, but he is frozen in place. Uh, frustrated, Archer picks him up roughly, carries him for a time, and just fucking kicks him out of the battlefield. Uh-huh. Uh, Shiro turns around to see Archer frozen in place by one of Castor's spells. Castor prepares to deal the finishing blow, but Archer manages to, un- manages to unfreeze himself and tells Castor to dodge. After kicking Shiro, he had, <laughs> he had thrown his twin blades in the air. He-, he threw that shit before he walked in the room. <laughs> And uh, Caster barely manages. It's kind of tight. <laughs> yeah, 
and Caster barely manages to avoid being sliced in half by them as they arc toward her. Uh, Archer now has time to set up a shot on Caster. He, mur- he murmurs, I am, I am the bone of my sword, as he aims. Then he shouts, Kaladbog, and file- fires the same spiral sword he used against Berserker. Archer avoids a direct hit on purpose, instead using a mist to destroy Caster de- Caster's defenses. Caster asks why he left her alive. He says he didn't intend to fight another servant and doesn't like meaningless killings. Caster laughs and says Archer and Shiro are alike. Both of them are confused by this. Uh, yeah, neither of them are thrilled by that. Yeah, no. This sets both Archer and Shiro off, and they try to explain to Caster that even though they're both pacifists, they have very different methods and definitely do not agree with one another. Uh, Caster seems amused by this in a a doth, uh, you doth protest too much sort of way, and says, I like you two. Your powers and how you two exist are rare. It would be disappointing to make you two my enemies. Uh, Shiro asks her to clarify what she means by that, and she offers to ally with them. In exchange, she'll give Archer a better master, and Shiro a better servant. They both refuse, but Archer decides to let Caster live for now. Since Rin isn't enthusiastic about killing other masters, it will be better for him if Caster kills them off instead. Then they can settle their match later. Uh, Caster flees, but Shiro is still angry. Archer explains that Berserker is big enough is a big enough threat that allowing Caster to drain some humans is worth it if she can defeat Berserker for them. In fact, Archer thinks Caster should stop being so reserved and take their lives instead of just draining them. If everyone in the town died, Rin would be properly motiva- motivated to win. Shiro says he refuses to sacrifice people to win. Archer says he feels the same way, but they can't save everyone. If anyone other than Rin or Shiro were to obtain the Holy Grail, the damage would extend far beyond Fuyuki. By sacrificing the town to ensure Rin or Shiro's victory, far more lives will ultimately be saved. Quote, Nobody can be saved if you try to save everybody, uh, Archer says. Shiro rejects him and says he'll never cooperate. He then starts walking toward the temple, intending to face Castor again. Archer tries to stop him, but Shiro isn't listening to him anymore. Uh, so yeah, before I get onto the section, this ne- the next section, there's a lot there. Uh, Archer basically says the utilitarian point of view. Yeah, I, I think it is a little more complicated than that. I mean, like, yes, it is yeah. a utilitarian point of view, but also uh, he is not, like, eager, necessarily, to, like, let all of these people die, but, like, yeah, if that's what it takes to make sure everybody in the world doesn't die, yeah, he'll go that far. Yeah, like, he straight up tells, he straight up tells Shiro that he doesn't, he doesn't want these people to die, but also, like, he is very concerned that, like, if they do not set everything up just right, uh, then loads more people are going to die because Rin or, Sh- Rin or Shiro will not be the ones who get the Grail. But, and like considering what we know about what the Grail does, not an unreasonable thing to worry about. Well, Caster specifically getting the Grail is the nightmare situation. Like we know what the yeah. Grail is. We we know what it is. We know what a bad wizard like Kodamine could do with it. Yeah, Kodamine. Imagine what fucking uh, <laughs> Caster can do with it. Yeah, yeah. Caster like, is way more powerful than Kodamine. Caster can literally basically work miracles while A, supporting a servant, and B, 
on shitty land that is not fully tapped and utilized yet. Like, uh, if she had access to the Grail, that's that's game over for the world. Like, yeah. So, yeah. So, in Archer's point of view, like letting Caster off the hook for now to like wear herself out trying to beat Berserker, and like we know Berserker is a big buff dude. Like, even Caster will have trouble killing Berserker, especially if it's down to a straight-up fight. Uh, well, it, not just that, he even says, we can't beat her here. This is her home turf. All yeah. she needs to do is eat more people while she's here, and she wins. The only way we beat her is by killing her master. Like, you yeah. you, you don't... The reason you have to win this is because if she wins this, that means A, she has a body, B, she's free of her master, and C, she has unlimited power. Like, no, you win this by killing her master because you can't kill her. Yeah, but Shiro Shiro doesn't want to hear that because he just wants to save everyone. Which, like, is understandable. Like, there is yeah, a part of that philosophy that is, like, kind of repugnant. The idea that, like, you would be like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll burn a city. That's fine. I will take that loss if it means that the world doesn't end. Like, yeah, and Archer, yeah. and, and Archer knows that like what he's saying is distasteful yeah. because he, because he straight up tells Shiro he intends to keep it a secret from Rin. Mm-hmm. It, like he, he is, a, he is also like couching it in the most callous way possible in, in like, you know how when someone like is doubling down on something that they don't really like and they're like doubling down on it in such a way that it's like, Oh no, I'm actually fine with this. And because I'm saying it in such a crass terms, obviously that yeah. means I'm fine with it. And like Archer is, is almost it, trying to convince himself. Yes. And, like, he is willing to save the world at, like, any risk, including himself. Because, like, he would probably be one of the people who dies in, like, that nightmare situation. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah so we, we basically have, like, their two ideologies duking out. Where, like, they both essentially want the same thing, but they have very very different ideas of, like, what is realistic mm-hmm. like uh, or not necessarily realistic but they have both have different ideas of like you know how to actually achieve what they want uh, it's not even just how they uh, what they're willing to give up it, it, oh, what yeah, are they willing that's, to that's sacrifice a way to achieve their it. goal uh, it, it, or, in fact it's not even what are they willing to sacrifice to achieve their goal it's uh, uh, Archer has a goal Archer has a very specific and clear goal. In fact, uh, Archer even yeah. says as much. Uh, you, Archer says specifically, uh, you don't desire victory, you desire peace. And that's why uh, Shiro will never win. Uh, uh, yeah, Ar- it, it, peace and not victory. Such a thing does not exist anywhere in this world. Um, yeah, Arch- Archer's very specific goal is Shiro or Rin win the Grail. That is uh-huh. that is his goal, and that is what he is working toward. And meanwhile, uh, Shiro just wants no fighting. Just fucking Nanako voice. No fighting. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like that's not enough. That that is not enough to take care of people. That is not enough to take care of yourself. Like you need to have a goal, man. Yeah. Uh, so at the end of at the end of his patience with Shiro, uh, Archer slashes him with one of his swords. Shiro is severely wounded but not dead yet. Archer approaches and says, quote, since you don't have a reason to fight, die here. It's only uh, hypocrisy for you to fight for someone else and not yourself. You only uh, wish Im- for peace and not victory. 
Such a thing does not exist anywhere in this world, end quote. It is important, I think, to point out uh, that Shiro senses something behind him. Like, he senses the ill intent, and uh, Archer is, like, kind of surprised and annoyed that Shiro was able to catch and leap out of the way of the slash. It's not just, like, Archer missed. Like, Shiro Shiro jumped out of the way. Yeah, Shiro has done this multiple times, uh, even back when, like, he was attacked by Lancer in his house. Mm -hmm. Um, Before Archer's blow connects, Shiro flings himself backwards and down the temple stairs. Uh, which is just a very funny visual image to think about. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Just, just this incredibly beat-up guy just, like, throwing himself down a uh, flight I mean, we've literally seen it happen in the anime. It is very funny to see. Uh, I warned you about stairs, bro. We did warn him about stairs. He falls down a lot of stairs. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, the temple stairs are not short. There's a lot of those stairs. There's a lot of them. He falls down those stairs far. He also will fall down some stairs later. Yeah. Uh, he interrupts Saber in Assassin's battle uh, in the funniest way possible. Uh, mm-hmm. Assassin tells Saber their fight is done for tonight, and they should both leave while they can. Uh, Archer gives chase, but Assassin interrupts him. He does not intend to let Archer leave alive. Uh, Saber and Shiro retreat as their battle as the battle between Assassin and Archer ring out rings out behind them. Uh, by the time they get home, Shiro's wound is nearly healed, and he explains everything Caster told him. Saber agrees that they shouldn't let Caster be, but she doesn't believe Archer is cruel. Quote, he must not have anything evil in his mind. I believe his dance-like techniques indicate his character, end quote. Um, it's interesting. Like, Shiro is just take Shiro could have just kind of, like, takes Archer's, uh, words at face value. Uh, whereas Saber is like, no, I, I get a sense from, like, how he operates that, like, he he's not a villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell because of how he fights with his swords. Because <laughs> I'm Saber, and I'm all about fighting. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm about sword. Sword is in the name. Yeah. Uh, Shiro suddenly doesn't feel like complimenting Archer's fighting style anymore, and says his technique is nothing if he couldn't even kill Shiro by surprise. Just I the mean, most petty thing. It, I, mean, <laughs> oh, I never fair. liked this technique. Uh, Saber says Shiro survived because he has talent too, and he should be able to match Archer if he trains enough. Uh, so, yeah. day seven. Oh, uh, the other important thing. Uh, Shiro sure. watching Saber, or er, er, Shiro watching Archer notes specifically uh, that sh- uh, uh, all of Archer's skill is explicitly from work. It is not, like, divine providence. It is not, like, he is somebody who did not have much talent and just worked his ass off to get this skill. Um, yeah. And, uh, gee, that sounds similar to Shiro. And uh, uh, Saber does also, like, explicitly say, like, yeah, if you worked hard for a long time, you could be as good as him. Yeah, which is not something, like, like, usually when we're talking about servants... Um, you know, the, like, there's, it's emphasized that, like, servants are on a level above, like, a, a typical human being. Like, they're, they're special. Uh, mm-hmm. whereas in this case, like, yeah, Saber explicitly says, like, you can be as good as Archer is now. Yeah, and, like, part of that is, uh, uh, Archer is not a swordsman. He's an archer. Um, and part of that is also Shiro is, uh, both, like, incredibly physically fit, for a mage, uh, like, not, like, 
unusually so, but like is focused on training his body because he's bad at being a wizard. Yeah, and most like is, most is mages don't. Way. Yeah, most mages mages don't do the training regimens that he does. Because like, what the fuck else is he gonna do? Yeah, like like Rin, Rin you don't see Rin doing like kung fu uh, or anything like that. Um, anyway, uh, day seven. Uh, Shiro has the same dream of a barren wasteland full of swords again. This time, though, he suddenly hears a metallic sound and feels something strange on his arm. He rolls up his sleeve and he finds that his arm is now a sword. He wakes up after he wakes up from the nightmare, relieved to see his arm is actually fine, and goes to make breakfast. No need to question what that was about. It's fine. I'll just start. Yeah, making don't breakfast. worry about it, man. It's okay. Uh, after breakfast, Shiro trains a little with Saber before he has to head to school. Uh, he thinks Saber is going a little easier on him, but Saber insists that he's actually just improving. In addition, where Shiro had no fighting style before, he seems to be copying archers now. Saber appears to be a little disappointed by this, uh, and but and but she also warns him uh, not to get too confident. Um, while he is better at fighting, he's still no match for Archer and Berserker and shouldn't attempt to take them on by himself. Uh, I do think it's kind of adorable that Saber is both proud of him and also kind of annoyed that he is not uh, adopting Saber's fighting style. I know, it's so funny. She's, like, clearly jealous, and it's like, damn, Saber. Yeah, it's like, well, I guess I can't be too mad because you are getting better, but also, what? how come you're not taking after my style, Shiro? Don't you like me? <laughs> uh, Saber, it's not your root. Chill out. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, Shiro got distracted by the training and arrives at school an hour late. He briefly runs into Kuzuki, uh, the stern-looking teacher that we saw very briefly in the Fate Route, uh, who tells him to get the info they went over in class from a friend. Uh, Shiro meets Shinji in class, who seems to be acting strange. Shiro assumes he got attacked last night. I'm not sure why he would assume that, but there you go. Uh, and tells him that Shinji should stay home if he doesn't attempt to fight. Shinji bristles at being told what to do, and tells Shiro not to con not to get conceited just because he has a strong servant as and is cooperating with Rin. Uh, during the lunch break, some of the other male students in Shiro's class notice that Rin is standing outside the room and peeking in. She seems to be irritated. Uh, Shiro is scared of what she might do if he ignores her, so he goes to meet her in the hallway. Rin, however, acts surprised and says she was just taking a walk. He calls Hi, her bluff. Honey. Yeah, huh? He calls her bluff, saying, Oh, okay, then you can continue your walk. I'm going to go eat in the student council room. Uh, Shiro continues to play dumb until Rin is forced to directly ask him if he wants to eat lunch with her. Or at least, I thought he was playing, d playing dumb, but his inner thoughts suggest otherwise, because he then acts surprised that she asked him to eat lunch with her. So I think Shiro I, just is that stupid. I, I was about to say, I, I think it's a mistake to ever assume Shiro is not exactly as stupid as he seems. Yeah. Uh, so, thus begins one of my favorite scenes in the entire... Dude, in, I just the, wish entire... this whole fucking game was just a regular, like, romance visual novel. I don't care about any of this magic shit. Just be like a dating sim. I this don't is... care about the magic. This next scene is so fucking adorable. It's so fucking funny. Uh, so they eat their lunch together, huddled close in the only spot sheltered from the cold wind. Uh, for additional context, Rin takes them up to the roof, clearly so they can just 
eat in private because Rin is embarrassed about eating with another male student that she likes. She's so uh, fucking So they're eating up dude. on the roof. But at this time of year, uh, the weather isn't great for that, so there's just, like, cold and windy outside. So they I just know. have to, like, f- like huddle up by, uh, I think it's, like, one of, one of the walls of, like, the... Uh, like the uh, uh, the entrance to the roof that sticks out from like the top, mm-hmm. uh, so they just like have to have to huddle by a wall together so they don't get uh, chills from the chills from the wind. Uh, both of them are nervous. Uh, Rin clearly has something she wants to say, but has been silent the whole time, and Shiro can't help but be distracted by how close she is to him. Shiro finishes his lunch and can't stand the silence anymore, so he tries to ask Rin what she wants. At the exact same moment, Rin finally breaks her silence, too. I know. Uh, So they talk over each other, and then they both apologize at the same time to try and say the other can speak first, which just results in yet another awkward silence. Uh, (laughs) It's really funny. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, Rin speaks up again and apologizes for Archer trying to kill him. She reveals she used a command spell on Archer to stop him. Shiro says it's not her fault. She had no idea what he intended to do. Rin still feels guilty, though, since it's her responsibility for giving him so much freedom in the first place. Shiro is surprised that Archer even admitted what happened. Rin says he does try to hide things, but he never lies. When she noticed he came back wounded and drained of magical energy, he quickly confessed. For now, Rin is keeping him at home so he doesn't interact with Shiro. When asked to explain himself, Archer told Rin that it'd be troublesome if Shiro got controlled again. Shiro admits that makes sense and tells Rin that he certainly would have died if Archer hadn't shown up, so it all evens out. Um, I like... Mm-hmm. It's subtle, uh, but like... Given that Rin has told Shiro multiple times that he's stupid for, like, leaving his servant at home, here we have Rin deliberately, like, endangering help herself by, like, keeping Archer away because she cares about Shiro. I mean, at, at least she actually has magic. Like, at least she can That's kind true. of protect herself. Shiro can, yeah, Rin can defend herself, but, like, if if one of the more, like, physically powerful servants showed up, like Berserker, uh, Rin would still have a rough time of it. Uh, and also, she's she's used a command spell, so she's only got, like, one of those left that she can freely use. Mm-hmm. Um, the bell rings, and Shiro is about to head to class, but Rin isn't moving. Instead, she asks him to keep her company for a while. It's alright to skip one class, right? She says. Uh, We cut to them drinking hot coffee on the roof, uh, which leads to a very funny little story about uh, Rin telling Shiro uh, to go buy them coffee from the store on the first floor before the next class starts. So So he just had to rush down to the first floor, buy coffee, and then rush back up without getting caught. He's so fucking stupid. (laughs) My uh, man got it so bad. Yeah. Uh, they're talking about their histories, and Shiro says he had to beg his father for two years before he started teaching him magic. Rin says he should have taught Shiro from the day he was born. His body was already too mature eight years ago to have a magic magic crest installed. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Rin explains that engraving a crest is very painful, so it usually gets implanted bit by bit from the time a magus is born in order to moderate the pain. They also drink herbs and ground bones to re- create resistance in their bodies. Shiro asks if Rin is okay with all that, and she tells him not to worry. It's something she did because she wanted to, and she doesn't regret it. She also tells him that he shouldn't put her on a pedestal too much. His own, his own training is even harsher in some ways. Quote, I've never trained in a way that might kill me. First of all, I don't fail. End quote. Uh, even when Rin is complimenting Shiro, she cannot help but be Rin Tosaka. Yeah, uh, well, also, I think it is important to point out, she's like, oh, I did it because I wanted to. No, you didn't. You were a baby. You literally couldn't. Yeah. Um, uh, but also, uh, uh, like, it is important to point out, Shiro was adopted when he was, like, eight. Like, he literally couldn't have been trained when he was a baby. Yeah. Uh, but, of course, she doesn't know that because Shiro hasn't told him, told her that he has been adopted yet. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, both of them... There, there's both like they're trying to connect with each other, but there's both like still information that neither of them like really is it is revealing. Um, they both they move on to talking about their strength as magi to better understand how to help each other. She asks why he focuses on strengthening magic, and he says it's the only thing he's able to do. Rin's specialty is conversion, the accumulation, flow, and transformation of power. She then goes over the basics of storing energy in jewels, much like we learned in Fate. Uh, Shiro then asks her what she knows about the Mato family of Magi. Rin was surprised to hear that Shinji became a master, since her family told her the Mato family doesn't have the bloodline anymore. Shiro, who's been keeping silent about Shinji, is shocked to hear as she figured it out. Rin laughs and apologizes for her past mistake of assuming Shinji couldn't possibly be a master. She's not too worried about him, though, since he doesn't have any magical energy. Rin assumes there must be some other master hiding at their school that they need to look for. She reveals that Shinji tried to ask her to cooperate with him this morning, but she declined. He kept bugging her about it, though, so she unintentionally said she doesn't need him because she has Shiro. Shiro asks what she intends to do about Shinji, since he's the only one that made the boundary field. Uh, Sorry, since he's the one that made the boundary field. Rin is surprised by this, and Shiro explains that his servant, who, who excels at magic, probably helped him. Rin suddenly realizes her grave mistake, and at that very moment, the boundary field activates. Uh, anything you want to say about this section? It's No, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Uh, Alright, so they both rush down to check on the nearest classroom. Everyone is unconscious, and some are even slowly melting, but they aren't dead yet. Uh, if you choose to search the building for Shinji with Rin, Rin warns him that they'll uh, Rin warns him that they'll need to have a servant too, or they'll just get killed even if they find him. Rin says they should both use command spells to get their servants here as fast as possible. Shiro tells Rin not to waste her second spell. It's his turn today, and Saber should be able to handle Ryder on her own. They can call Archer later if things turn bad. If you choose to use a command spell without Rin's prompting, the scene plays out pretty much the same, but you get two affection points with Rin for being proactive for a change. Uh, Rin briefly teaches Shiro how to use the command spell, uh, and Saber instantly appears in the classroom. Saber says she can sense the presence of a servant on the fourth floor, the same one they're on. 
Rin thinks that's strange since she can sense the origin of the boundary field on the first floor. With time running out, Shiro decides to have Saber fight the servant on her own while he and Rin head to the first floor to take care of the field. Before heading out, Shiro breaks off a chair leg and strengthens it with his magic. They immediately run into bone golems waiting outside for them in the hallway. They leave cleaning up the golems in Saber's capable hands as they run down to the first floor. They still run into some stray golems, though, and Shiro is forced to bust them up with his strengthened chair leg. Rin appears to be shocked and impressed by his fighting abilities, uh, but there are, one too, there are a few too many for him to deal with alone, so she expends a jewel to vaporize the ones remaining in their path. With the golems out of the way, they open the door to the classroom where the field originated. To their horror, they find this area was affected more strongly than the others. The air is dense with vaporized blood. The students here look like dolls made of wax, and they remind Shiro of a mountain of corpses tossed aside in a wasteland. They find Shinji cowering here. Rin confronts him, telling him he'll atone for what he's done. Shinji retreats to a wall and desperately claims that, quote, it's not me that killed her, end quote. They now notice that lying at their feet is the corpse of Ryder. Her neck was ripped apart in one blow. Rin asks him who killed Ryder. Shinji doesn't answer, and uh, she warns him that whoever the master is, he'll be gunning for Shinji next. He protests that now that he doesn't have a servant, he's not a master, uh, and so he won't be a threat anymore. Rin deliberately goads him on by agreeing with him. Quote, you're right. There's no harm in letting you be even if you have your command spells. It might be annoying to have you run around, but a harmless insect can't hurt, can't kill humans. End quote. Shinji, however, is too scared to even push back against Rin's insults. She asks him again what killed Ryder, and he simply runs out of the classroom in fear. Uh, we haven't really seen Shinji like this before. Uh, he is very no, clearly is... terrified. Yeah. Uh, so terrified that, like, he's not even, like, he doesn't even, like, uh, argue against Rin, like, very clearly trying to get his goat. Uh-huh. Um, Rin clearly wants to chase after him, but she holds herself back. There are students to worry about. Ashira notices that while her face is still that of the stern and serious Rin Tosaka, her knees are shaking and her eyes are wavering as if they're about to cry. To put her at ease, Shiro mentions to her that everyone is still breathing and alive and the boundary field is gone. He calmly asks her if they should be calling an ambulance or the church in this kind of situation. This question helps switch Rin into her calm and collected teacher mode, and she tells him that Kyrie should be able to handle this. Rin runs to a nearby office to call the church. Um, I like this moment from Shiro, because, uh, like, a lot of Yeah. There are a lot of times when Shiro is portrayed as, like, kind of oblivious, um, but I really like in this scenario, like, he can clearly see that, like, Rin is very upset by this scenario, and, like, is... Her mind is probably racing and trying to figure out, like, what to do next, because normally Rin is the one who is giving directions, uh, and, like, is the one that he sort of relies on to tell him what to do. Um, so clearly something is wrong. Uh, so he deliberately, like, uh, asks her a question to prompt her to, like, sort of 
collect her thoughts and go back into a mode that lets her sort of take control of her emotions. Uh, and I and I really like to see Shiro having that emotional intelligence. Um, yeah, I, I, I like seeing them being like active supports for each other. Like that, yeah. that is nice to see. Yeah, uh, it, it's great. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like there there is a, there's a lot of Rin and Shiro uh, sections specifically in, in these few days that are that are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, after contacting Kyrie, Rin, Saber, and Shiro reconvene at the dojo. Since Ryder was dead all along, Saber confirms that she was actually fighting Caster. She defeated her, but it was likely just her shadow. Uh, the real caster was probably controlling both the golems and her apparition remotely from the temple. Uh, which is pretty powerful. Yes. Uh, uh, like we've established multiple times, uh, magic at a distance is, like, hard. It, it is, like, exponentially difficult. Uh, yeah. In the same way that, like, uh, any transfer of energy over a long distance becomes exponentially more difficult. Um, especially without a medium to allow convenient transfer. Yeah. So, like, it, it is it is impressive that she can do this. Uh, it, it is just establishing uh, her as more and more of a threat. Uh, given what they currently know, they speculate that Caster used Shinji to lure Ryder into a trap and kill her. Shiro turns to Rin, who has been unusually silent, and asks her what's wrong. She says she's surprised he's this calm. Uh, Shiro says he's not actually calm, he just looks like it. He was able to tell student. He was able to tell that the students were alive because he's used to seeing dead bodies. <laughs> a normal thing to say. Uh, Ren raises an eyebrow at this, but decides not to pry. I do like this characterization of Shiro too, uh, in, in that like he reacts basically to this to the same way I do when I uh, see like significant injuries or large amounts of blood, where like you just sort of. You shut down, and you do the things that you need to do to get this problem solved, and you will freak out the moment that the problem is solved and no longer an immediate issue. Yeah, like, Shiro isn't actually okay. <laughs> he's, he's just, uh, he, he is freaking out internally. Yeah, um, you, you are just but... dissociating and not thinking about it, because yeah. the other option is, uh, uh, they bleed out and die. Yep. Uh, as they make their way home through the forest, Archer finally shows up. Rin scolds him for being late, but Archer just seems to brush her off. Saber has a different read, though. Quote, those two are are intimate as I thought. Rin is angry because she trusts Archer, and Archer is silent, silently listening because he must feel sorry. End quote. Uh, again, I like, I like Saber as a person, like, who kind of knows what's going on. Yeah. Uh, we, we, like, uh, we didn't really get, like, Wise Saber a whole lot in Fate. No, not really. Uh, so, so I like her as almost like this, um, not necessarily like a Yoda figure to, to Shiro, but someone, like, who is able to, like, sort of counter Shiro's, like, often service level reads and go, like, you know, actually, there's, there's more to it than that. Mm-hmm. Um. At Archer's also, request. she's, like, clearly teasing Shiro some. Like, yeah, yeah, because, like, like, she like knows. She, she is clearly like, oh, you got a thing for Rin, uh, and I'm just going to fuck with you because, like, uh, you clearly have a thing for her. Yeah, like, Ar- like Saber knows that Shiro likes Rin, and like, she's like, oh, oh, you know, uh, Rin and Archer sure do get along pretty well. 
They sure are close. <laughs> and also, his fighting style is pretty cool, too. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, at Archer's request, Shiro explains what happened to Ryder. Uh, Archer seems disappointed that Ryder didn't put up a fight. Saber bristles at him, insulting a fellow hero, and questions Archer's own status as a hero. Archer doubles down, saying weak servants should should be defeated early on. Saber retorts by challenging him to a fight. <laughs> Come on, bro. You scared? <laughs> Fucking one v one me, bro. I'll do it right now. Uh, Archer reminds her that he's still bound by a command spell. It wouldn't be a proper fight for someone like Saber. That's cool. Let's go. <laughs> Take that uh, out. Yeah, Rin interrupts them to tell Archer to cool his jets, which finally gets him to relent. Saber also okay, apologizes. Okay, hey, man, be cool. Yeah. Saber also apologizes, sort of. Quote, it seems I was acting immature. I will ignore your comments in deference to Rin. End quote. God. So, not actually apologizing to Archer, no. just saying, I like, I like, I like Rin, so I will do what she says for now. Listen, we've all had that friend who's got a friend who's kind of shitty, and you're like, listen, I'm sorry that I made my friend uncomfortable. Yeah. I just love well, it that she explicitly, Ar- explicitly tells Archer that she respects Rin, but not him. Uh-huh. I mean, to be fair, same. Yes, that is that. Saber is correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as usual, uh, since going to the temple would be suicidal, Rin says they should ser- they should search for her master at the school first, since this master comes to school every day for some reason. Uh, the best way to deal with Caster is to attack her master while he's outside the temple and defenseless. Archer, however, tells Rin her premises are wrong. He believes that the Master thinks they have a free will, but is actually being controlled by Castor. He argues that Castor is not the sort of person who would ever be under someone. It's possible the Master doesn't even realize they're a Master. With their, uh, ultimately, though, it doesn't really change their plan a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, with their plan in place, Rin tells Saber and Shiro that they should head home and rest for the day. Shiro is about to say that he's not feeling tired, but she gets close to him and interrupts, telling him there's no reason to stick around the school and that Archer is acting strange. She worries that Archer won't calm down while Shiro is still around. Shiro relents and he heads home with with Saber to make dinner. Uh, Back at Shiro's house, Rin calls them to let them know most of the students didn't suffer any significant trauma. Most simply have amnesia, and classes will resume tomorrow. Saber diverts the conversation to Shiro getting controlled by Kasser and insists that she should sleep next to him from now on in order to protect him. In this route, Shiro actually takes a moment to think through which arguments won't actually work against Saber. Uh, He tells her that she should sleep in the room right next to him instead. If they slept together, no servant would dare attack, eliminating the possibility of Saber making a sneak attack. Plus, Shiro's room is quite small, and Saber won't be able to fit without disturbing his sleep. Uh, uh, and basically, and basically tells her, you wouldn't want to cause your master to have a bad night's sleep, would you? And Saber's basically like, man, we both know that's bullshit, but like, fine, whatever. Yeah, it's Sab- clearly no- it- nonsense, but like, okay. Yeah, Saber still suspects he's just making excuses because he's embarrassed, 
but his objections are logical enough that she's willing to compromise. Uh, as he tries to get some get to sleep, his mind drifts to the events of the past couple days. He thinks about when Rin attacked him yesterday and realizes she never did make good on her promise to kill him the next time they meet. Yeah, no, you know, you're just figuring this out now, Shiro. He's so fucking stupid. Uh, quote, this boy is so fucking dumb. Yeah, she, he thinks to himself, the more she tries to act as a magus, the more she kills her true self as, as Tosaka Rin, end quote. Wonder Shiro, if there's any meaning there or anything. It's probably, yeah. probably nothing. There's no yeah. things. Uh, Shiro then thinks what is perhaps the most incorrect thing he has ever thought. Quote, I guess there's something wrong with me for thinking that I want to be a support for such a perfect girl. End quote. No, there is nothing that's wrong like with regular. that. That that's is like, that's just called caring about people, you dumb motherfucker. Yeah, no, that is my goal, <laughs> is to be a support for a perfect girl. That's just... That's just what I want to do with my life. Uh. <laughs> uh, oh, Shiro, you... No. He's so fucking stupid, man. Uh, alright. So, day eight. Um, Shiro experiences another dream about the memories of the unknown hero. Uh, despite being a hero, people were suspicious of him because he never told anyone what his motives were. Uh, he was perceived as obstinate or weird. His only reward was the act of saving someone. The memory makes Shiro mad, but he can't help but cry. The memory ends at the Hill of Swords, the location where this person died alone. Uh, so someone who has motives that don't make sense to anyone, who people think is just a weirdo, who doesn't know what he's doing... <laughs> I mean, again, we have, like, another similarity to uh, uh, Saber. Yeah, Saber, like, uh, uh, Saber also, like, sort of cut herself off from humanity in order to be a perfect king. Like, mm -hmm. she she ceased to act like a human, deliberately, and never yeah, got close to anyone. And we have, like, again, this reaction uh, uh, from the general populace of... Uh, uh, um, of a refusal to believe, of like a perception of that as inhuman and uh, uh, like terrifying because of its inhumanity. Um, yeah, like in in Saber's case, people just like slowly started to believe that oh, no one could possibly be that pure. Um, yeah, they they saw her as machine, whereas in this hero's case, they see it as uh, hiding malice. Yeah. Um. It's an interesting contrast. Mm-hmm. Um, in a sense, like, actually, Saber's situation almost reminds me of, like, the people who deconstruct Superman. It's like, oh, Superman couldn't possibly exist. No one could ever be that good. Yeah, 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 man. That's like, it's, it's like fiction. It's like fictional. Yeah. That's like, that's like fiction, how that works. Yeah, the point is, yeah, the point is that Superman is an aspirational figure, but no one... Everyone was always like, oh, well, well, clearly Superman would be fucked up in real life. It's like, that's, that's not the point, people. No, man, that's not... Uh, hmm. uh, okay. Anyway, uh, Cheryl wakes up, uh, again, doesn't really think about this dream that much, uh, and goes to make breakfast. Uh, no thoughts, head empty. Uh, in the kitchen, he's harangued by Taiga, 
who's complaining that while she was in the hospital to make sure she was okay, the doctor kept trying to convince her to donate blood. <laughs> Which is, Tyga is such so, a weird Tyga detail. Is the Antifa super soldier that we need. Yeah. The doctors keep the doctors want her blood. It's like Tyga, your is blood too is amazing. Strong and they want her blood. Your blood is amazing, Tyga. We must have more of it. And she's so annoyed by it. It's so funny. I love Tyga so fucking much, dude. Tyga just exists in like her own separate world where like a goofy sketch comedy is happening. Yeah, and it rules. I just want that game. Fuck uh, this magic shit. I just want the Taiga game. <laughs> Give me the Taiga Atome game. Are you oh, kidding man. me? Oh my god. Fuck. Now I actually who, want that. Who would Taiga's love interest be? Okay, well, hold up. No, now, now we actually need to think about it. Cause, uh, so there's going to be a One of them would have to be Lancer, right? I mean, yes. One of them is obviously Lancer, who just, like... Lancer would be uh, like the Lancer would be the PE teacher. Lancer would be the PE teacher. Uh, there's like the dark side Hatafo boyfriend route uh, with Gilgamesh. Oh yeah, yeah, that's the evil route. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. Um, uh um. Where Taiga becomes like queen of the universe along with uh-huh, Gilgamesh yeah, being uh-huh. king. Yeah. Uh, yeah, where Gilgamesh just ends up fucking whipped for some reason. <laughs> Um, and then, like, the other, like, two characters are characters, like, who just seem like nameless NPCs, like, that we just don't ever get actual faces of. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, the, God, the pro- I want that now. The, the problem with doing this podcast is I keep thinking of different visual novels I want to make that just... <laughs> that would just be better. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like I, I, like I already have in my head the visual novel where Saber, where where Rin summons Saber, and then they just get gay married at the end. I'm just, I'm going to Ao3 right now <laughs> because I guarantee you, I can find you that fix. Do, do a search for for Saber X Rin. There's got to be some. Yeah, I, I'm I'm looking for it right now. I want to see the numbers because I need to know how many people are correct. It better be a lot. <laughs> God, I hope so. I wonder how many... I bet there's also a a not insignificant contingent who just made fix of, uh, of, like, um, uh, Lancer being a bullying top to Shiro. I bet that's a thing as well. I, I mean, I mean, yeah, that's just definitely a thing that's gonna exist. Uh... Test like a rin, saber, sorted filter. Okay, so in uh, there is there is twenty two fix. That is for saber rin. That is also that that's both like. More than 10, I would 000. ever read, but also less than I was hoping for, <laughs> given the size yeah. of the Fate mm-hmm. fandom. Yeah. Yeah, uh, this is out of the 10,000 fix in the Fate Stay Night and related fandoms. There's uh, only 22 out of 10,000? Well, I'm, I'm checking the other, because there's also Fate Stay Night visual novel and Fate Stay Night all media types. So I'm checking oh, those, okay. too. So may- maybe there's more in there. There's probably not. I'm gonna be real with you. God, if let if less than God, that what is that percentage? That's very small. 
That's like two percent or point two percent rather. Yeah, that's fucked up. <laughs> that's less than less than half a percent of fix are Ren X Saber. That's fucked There's up. There's fourteen in the exclusively uh, Fate Stay Night category er, er, for the visual novel one, and uh, Thirty-two in the uh, related fandoms alone. I'm canceling so the like, Fate Stay Night fandom. It, at best, there is sixty fix, and I guarantee you, there's overlap. That man. Ugh. I'm disappointed. Can't I can't I can't believe that that's so low. Uh huh. It's not even a single percentage point. <laughs> uh-huh. They're just incorrect is the thing. Like, There's not wrong. that many characters that you can pair. I I know. Yeah, I agree. It's fucked up. Incorrect. Man. It is the most compelling relationship. It is. Sure, <sighs> go away. Get out get out of here. There's more important things happening and yeah. you're in the way. Uh anyway. Uh, so Taiga, <laughs> that was a fun digression, but also, yeah, it was. uh, uh Taiga says that most of the students have recovered by now. Uh, the ones on the first floor were in a bitty, pretty bad state though. Uh, Shiro heads to school where Rin immediately confronts him at the gate and says that, and immediately says that Issei is suspicious. Uh, Rin knows he comes to school every day from the temple, so there must be a connection. Shiro tries to defend his friend, but Rin is not having it. The temple has been closed to outsiders for several weeks. Rin's arguments are bringing a lot of unwanted attention, though, so Shiro drags her by the hand to the archery dojo where they can discuss the matter in private. Basically, like, as everyone is coming to school, Rin is just, like, walking up to Shiro and going, Hey, Shiro, your best friend is probably a murderer. Shiro's like, shut 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 the fuck up. And everyone is like, why is... The idol of the school yelling at this random boy. <laughs> God. Uh, it's great. Rin does not give a shit. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, um, so at the Archery Dojo, uh, Shiro agrees that Issei can't help but be suspicious, but he assures Rin that he'll look into it himself. Rin is obviously skeptical, since Shiro may let him off the hook easily because he's Shiro f- Shiro's friend. And we know that Shiro has already let Shinji off the hook easily, so Rin is not being unreasonable here. Yeah, no, she's right. Uh, Shiro, however, Shiro assures her that he won't do that, uh, even though he literally just did that with Shinji a day ago. Uh, Rin reluctantly agrees, um, then asks Shiro... Uh, how he intends to figure out if Issei is a master, since he can't just walk up and ask him. Shiro clearly did not think that far ahead, and Rin is prepared to rip into him. Uh, he quickly promises he has a way, though, and he'll figure out and he'll figure everything out today. Rin decides to trust him and warns him not to do anything stupid around Issei. Oh, Rin, <laughs> Rin, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have bad news for you. He deserves so much better. <laughs> Uh, at lunch, Shiro finds Issei eating alone in the student council room. He casually asks him about yesterday's incident. 
Issei repeats the official line of there being a chemical leak, but clearly doesn't fully believe it. Shiro is reluctant to interrogate him further unless the lunch period casually slipped by. Five minutes before class is about to start again, he realizes he still needs to do what he promised Rin. His brilliant plan is to demand that Issei strip naked. This is so stupid. This is, honestly, this rules. This is exactly stupid enough that I'm all in. This yeah. fucking rules. Because, like, here's the thing. Yeah, no, it works. Like It does work. Absolutely. Yes. If he has a command seal, it'll show up. He'll be able yeah. to see it. Issei this is a great plan. Issei somehow agrees to this. Well, he well, agrees like, to this. Well, he doesn't Shiro really... forcibly strips him. Yeah, that's true. Issei doesn't necessarily agree so much as, like... Uh, is, is, Shiro is ripped and strips his friend. Yeah, and then Issei does not just, like, report him to, to the student, to, like, any any adults after this happens. You know, uh, guys being dudes. Yep. God, where was I? Oh, right, we're at stripping Issei for some reason. Yes. Uh, I mean, not even for some reason. Yeah. He had a very good reason to do it. It's yes. one of the first times Shiro did a thing where I was like, yeah. You know what? All right, good plan. Yes, it's this, a stupid plan, but it works. This is absurd, but also it, it does work. Uh, Shiro does not find a command spell anywhere on Issei's uh, body, uh, so clearly he is not a master. Uh, Issei even accepts Shiro's apology without making Shiro explain exactly what the hell that was. Guys being dudes. Yeah. Uh, Shiro presses his luck and asks Issei if anything weird has been happening at the temple. You uh, mean other than friends randomly making him strip at school? <laughs> yeah. He tells Shiro that there has been an unfamiliar woman staying there, but that's it. Uh, I don't know what happens at uh, in this bad ending, uh, but if you do ask Issei about oh. Caster, you will get a bad ending. So don't do so it. So I actually do know. Um, okay. So what happens if you... Uh, ask Shiro what or Issei about Caster is uh, basically Caster has implanted a uh, spell in him so that if anybody is asking Issei about her uh, Issei uh, kills them. Oh. Like Issei kills you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and is being puppeted by Caster to do so. Damn. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Caster. Very smart. Oh and then kills himself uh, to be clear. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, like, puppeted to do that, or does he just do that out of despair? Uh, puppeted to do that. Okay. Uh, Shiro uh, reasons that if he causes Issei to get suspicious, it might put both of them in danger. Uh, you are correct, but for the wrong reasons, apparently, Shiro. <laughs> uh, right before lunch ends, Issei mentions that both Sakura and Shinji were absent, and now the teachers are worried something might have happened in the Mato household. Good going, Shiro. Oops. Uh, also, thank you, dogs, for really messing up this part of the recording. Um, we now cut to an interlude of Shinji taking refuge at the church. Uh, Kyrie notices him and says he's the first one to arrive and the only one to make use of the church since it was built. This, this stings Shinji's pride, and he complains that it's unfair that he was given a bad servant. Uh, oh yeah, the content warning for the next couple minutes as well. Same deal. 
Uh, Kyrie asks if Ryder was useless. Shinji replies that she was only useful, quote, as a woman, end quote. Um, which basically confirms what we were suspecting from how Shinji treats Ryder in the Fate Route. I fucking hate it. Yeah, it's not good. Especially given... Because we, we already know, like, it hasn't been revealed exactly who Ryder is, but we know. Uh, and yeah, it's fucked up. <laughs> um, Shinji continues to blame everyone but himself for his own defeat, and eventually asks Kyrie uh, if this means... He, sorry. And eventually, Kyrie asks Shinji if this means he still has the will to fight. If so... There is a servant available that he can use. I mean, I think it's fairly clear from what we we know about him is that like Lancer is is who he's talking about, right? No, Gilgamesh. I was thinking Gilgamesh. No, because because uh, Lancer is the uh, servant who is actually part of the Grail War. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. I oh, I forgot. It is. It is actually Lancer. Yes, Gilgamesh uh, is not a servant. That like, is that is true. Yeah, L- Lancer is the one he stole from the person from the church. Yep, you're right. I I totally forgot about that. Um, I for some reason my mind immediately went to Gilgamesh uh, because Gilgamesh and Shinji are basically the same person. Uh no, Gilgamesh has far more swagger. Like that's I fucking true. Hate them both. Yeah, no. Yeah, that but is also, true. Uh, the game never tries to make me pretend that Shiro and Gilgamesh are fucking friends. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, no. Sh- Gilgamesh does actually have the walk to back up his talk. Mm-hmm. Whereas Shinji is just fucking useless. Yep, pretty much. Um, the inter- uh, yeah. However, it does make me feel bad uh, for Lancer. It's like, sorry, buddy, <laughs> Like, first you get stolen by Kyrie, then you have to, like, get transferred to Shinji. Just, man, someone please give Lancer a break. Lancer's a fucking bro, and, like, everybody is just the fucking worst to him. Yeah, this poor poor guy. (laughs) He just can't catch a break. Um, I guess we'll find out if he ever catches a break in in, uh, Holoratoraxia, but I have a feeling... That, that things are going to go badly for him there, too. I'm willing to bet the answer's no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the interlude ends, and we find Shiro facing a decision about what to do after school. If you choose to buy some meat to... Uh, I'm going to go with, like, the fairly inconsequential one first. Uh, sure. If you choose to go buy some meat to make a big meal for Saber, uh, Shiro goes to the store and splurges on some nice ingredients, since they're on sale. As he leaves, he notices a woman in a strange nun-like outfit trying to shop at a nearby cake store. She's trying to pay with currency that's clearly not yen, and she can't even speak Japanese, so the employee isn't sure what to do. Shiro steps in to help out, and the strange lady thanks him, bows, and leaves. Um, Implying that Shiro, like, is somewhat bilingual. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not sure if we've gotten that before, but like here, like clearly, clearly implying that you know he he knows some English. Um, uh, before the nun leaves, Shiro asks her if she likes cake, and she replies, "Sella likes common tastes." Uh, very enigmatically. Uh, back at home, Shiro calls Rin to let her know that Issei didn't have a command spell. 
She's disappointed that they're out of suspects, but is also relieved that Issei is not an enemy. Um, if, you, if Shiro goes to check on Sakura, um, which actually ends up giving you Rin affection points, um, yes. he finds Rin standing in front of Sakura's house. Seeing her out of her school uniform and in plain clothes, Shiro briefly gets flustered and has to calm his heart down. He calls out to her, and she gets surprised. Without explaining anything, Rin quickly grabs his arm, pushes him, pushes him into cover, and tells him to be quiet. They're squeezed together between the outside of a house and a dividing wall. Shiro tries to object, sh- saying, Breast to- Tosaka, breasts, but Rin isn't paying attention. Uh, just the most awkward teen. Um, so she tells him, dumb. like, please, Shiro, please do not get you and Rin killed because, uh, you don't know how to handle being against a, p- a part of Rin's body. I'm begging you. Uh, she tells him to be quiet and directs his attention to the strange man in front of Sakura's house. A blonde foreigner. We already know this is Gilgamesh. He suddenly decides to leave and walks past their hiding spot without noticing them. With the danger past, Rin asks what Shiro is doing here. He says he was trying to ask the same thing when she shoved him into the alley like a package. He explains he was just worried about Sakura. Then, since Rin's already here, he tells her that Issei isn't a master. Uh, Rin believes him, but asks how he figured that out. He says he doesn't have a command spell, and Rin agrees that's a simple method since you just need to look at his arm. However, Rin seems to remember that this is Shiro we're talking about, and she asks him how he checked Issei. He replies you know, that he stri- question. Yeah, he replies that he stripped Issei by force and wonders why Rin is staring at him in be- in bewilderment. Uh, he just says it like it's a normal thing you do to a friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rin perhaps wisely decides not to continue this line of questioning. Upon investigating the Mato house, Shiro finds that both Sakura and Shinji are absent. Rin tells him that she's an acquaintance of Sakura, and she knows Sakura is sleeping in the hospital right now. Uh, Rin briefly teases Shiro about Sakura, but then Shiro asks how she knows Sakura has been regularly coming to his house. Rin claims that Ayako told her, but she doesn't exactly reply with confidence. As Shiro is about to leave, Rin stops him to ask a strange question. Uh, quote, this is a what-if question. What if someone is sent for adoption without any regards to their will? How do you think that person feels while they grow up? End quote. Rin making a very, uh, so my friend has a question. <laughs> so my friend want to know. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I mean, the other thing is like... She doesn't know Shiro is adopted. Yeah, she yeah, she doesn't know that either. Um, in this route, Rin doesn't know yet that this is exactly what happened to Shiro, so he tells her that he's sure the person wouldn't have any complaints as long as they're adopted to a good place. Um, it's just interesting that Rin asked this out of the blue while talking about well, Sakura Sakura's house, yeah. and staring at her house. Yeah, you know, big caveat, too. You know, so long as the family doesn't suck ass. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's probably fine, though. Uh, at dinner, Taiga asks if Saber is a famous swordswoman where she comes from, since Shiro has been a different person ever since they started training. Sir- Saber says she's surprised, too, at, at uh, Shiro's improvement, uh, but he has a different teacher than her, even though he might not, not, might not suspect it. 
Uh, she's <laughs> the way she phrases it is that she's decided to tolerate him cheating on her since it gets good results. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Taiga is glad to see him doing kendo again since he stopped doing uh, since he stopped doing it ever since his dad died. Uh, Shio tries to get Taiga to stop talking about his childhood, but Saber expresses interest. Taiga seems more than happy to tell Saber anything she wants to know about <laughs> about Shiro's childhood. It, it is rolls. a everyone just roasting his ass. Fucking is incredible. Yeah, it is a it is a very Taiga is it is a very like your family showing someone your baby pictures to embarrass you moment, and it's mm -hmm. great. Uh, Taiga also does say something important too, though, which is like, yeah, Shiro was never like actually any good with swords, but he was fucking incredible as an archer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Taiga tells uh, tells Saber how Shiro has already always tried to emulate superheroes, which prompts Saber to ask him why. He says he admires them. Saber asks why he admires them, and for the first time in his life, Shiro realizes he can't think of the reason. He just wanted to fulfill a promise to his dad. He doesn't tell Saber this, though, and excuses himself to retreat to his room. As he tries to go to sleep, he wonders to himself why he's so scared of giving an honest answer to Saber. He thinks it's, he, he, he thinks it's because he knows the ideal he pursues is childish and unrealistic, but he still wants to pursue it anyway. He wants to create no victims and allow everyone to live peacefully. Uh, here we have maybe the most that Shiro has ever interrogated his own beliefs. Yeah. And it's all because Saber asked just why. Why are you doing any of this? And, like, his answer is, like, fuck, man, I don't know. Because? I just sort of, <laughs> I've burnt this much time in it, like, fuck, I guess it's sunk cost at this point. Yeah. Uh, so that that is where we end day eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I fucking hate Shinji, dude. I hate his presence in the story. Yeah. Uh, at this point, I'm just over Shinji. Because here's the thing is, like... We're not even at the worst of him, either. Yeah, no. Like, the, the thing about Shinji is that there exists a version of the Fate Stay Night story where Shinji and his grossness serves an actual narrative purpose. Um, like, if this story were more about, like, um... Specific about gender it, dynamics, about the ways that these systems of power impact people differently based on their material existences, about the ways uh, uh, people who are, you know, to a degree disenfranchised like Shinji is by virtue of not having access to generational power uh, that he believes he should have, like the way that's inflicted upon the women in his life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That There is something there. There is something to talk about there. Yeah. That's not what this game is doing. Yeah, like, if, if, if this if this story actually decided to focus on, like, why the MAGA system that creates this situation to begin with is bad, and how it creates both victims and also abusers, um, like, who knows if Shinji would be like this if he wasn't, if he wasn't raised in, like, a really fucked up mage family. Um, yeah. He might still suck, he just may, might not suck in this specific way. He, he might not be a literal rapist. Yeah. Um, you know, then I could see, like, yeah, Shinji and his grossness would serve an actual narrative purpose. But, like, that's not what the story is about, and so Shinji and his, like, um, sexual assaults, 
like literally only exist to uh, motivate Shiro. Yeah, it, it is just a means of imperiling women yeah. and to present a conflict to Shiro that shouldn't even be a conflict. And the yeah. existence of it being a conflict devalues our hero and his initial motivation of like, I can't stand there being evil people and like they're being evil in the world as a whole. Yeah, and like we like, know from the fate route that Shiro that Shinji doesn't actually need to just be a full-on rapist. Like there's some implications. He's already abusive to his sister. Yeah, like there's some implications of the fate route, but like th- there's no actual con-, con there's like no actual events where Shinji brags about like assaulting someone. Like he's just a gross dude who abuses his sister. And that's a- and that's enough, you know. Um, uh, every so, yeah, scene it, Shinji is in makes the game markedly worse. Yeah, it, it, he's just completely superfluous um, in in Unlimited Blade Works, uh, and like honestly, just doesn't say good things about Nasu for like having this much focus on on him and like the shit he does to the women in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be one thing too if like we haven't seen a fucking word of, from Ayako since any of that shit happened to her. Yeah, she is literally just a prop. She vanishes from the story, and like from what I remember of Unlimited Blade Works, like she does not come back. Correct. Yes, we do not ever hear from her ever again. She is a prop, and uh, like that is so upsettingly frustrating. Yeah, which super sucks. Like you would think that Rin at the very least, would check up on one of her best friends. Like, you'd think there would at least be an interlude between the two of them, like, post this scenario, uh, that would, like, I don't know, maybe... It would at least be nice... Like, I, I wish this this didn't happen, but it would at least be nice to have an interlude with Rin and Ayako, where Ayako tells Rin what happened, and Rin is like, you know what? I'm... Like, I'm not a very good, like, I'm not a very good Magus. I'm, like, I, I don't really like killing people, but I'm gonna fucking put a magic bullet in Shinji's head. Fucking kill this bitch. Yeah. Somebody needs to shoot this bitch in the fucking dome. Yeah, it, it, at the very least, it would be nice if, you know, we get a scene like that between Ayako and Rin, where, like, instead of having everything center around Shiro getting motivated by women being imperiled, like Rin is motivated by her best friend being harmed uh, by someone and being like, you know, fuck you, Shiro. I'm going to kill this asshole. I don't care what you, what you think. Hey, remember when we opened this game and we were like, Hey, maybe, maybe Nasa's doing something with gender here. You know, <laughs> nope. it, remember when we were hopeful? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that, that did not happen. <laughs> uh... I, fu- I fucking hate, Everything about Shinji. Yeah. These chapters are, like, both not a lot super happens, and also these chapters are such a fucking downer because of how big Shinji is in them. Yeah, and it sucks. And knowing what's going to come. And it sucks because, like, right in the middle of them is, like, one of the best actual romance scenes, possibly actually the best romance scene that we've gotten from this entire visual novel. Like of, of as Shiro. opposed to the zero in the, the fate route. Yeah, yeah, of Shiro and Rin actually connecting with each other, uh, and, and like having and and being nervous teenagers because they both like each other, but they don't want to admit that they both like each other because they're fucking stupid. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. 
Yeah, and just genuine, and having like a genuine emotional connection, and like you know, uh, talking about their past, and it's great, and it, and it's lovely, and then surrounding all of it is just this grossness, just dog shit. Ugh. I miss I miss when the primary concern was Berserker is a big man and he's going to kill us with a big sword. I too miss that. I wish we would go back to the big man. Yeah, go back to the big man with him big sword. Where him yell? Where is the big muscle man who who just screams a lot? When big man not on the screen, um, I would like for big man to be on the screen. Actually, yeah. Unfortunately, we will not get big man until uh day 12 so when big man is back on the screen though that scene is kind of apeshit yeah that scene does kind of go off yeah that's true uh, actually sorry day 13 not day 12 um, yeah it's but, not gonna be this one it's but yeah be next that one. it is a cool ass scene when, when big man finally comes back <laughs> the big man he's here uh Man, can you imagine like if if Berserker did not end up being a Berserker? Like, what 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 is Heracles actually like? Uh, I mean, I think they said Heracles normally would be an archer. Yeah, that that'd be rad. That would be tight. Like, imagine I, I want to. Like, imagine an alternate scenario where like Rin doesn't get archer, she gets saber, and instead someone else gets Herac. Like, Ilya just gets Heracles archer. <laughs> That would be kind of tight. Ah, uh, that'd be sick. Uh, I bet, I bet, I bet he'd be very charming and also incredibly terrifying. Uh, all right, so that'll be it for uh, this section, I guess. Uh, next time we will be covering days nine through eleven. Um, let's see here. What's a what's a preview of of this i can't remember exactly oh yeah i think we we get more ryudo temple stuff um so prepare, yeah yeah prepare for more caster i i think we meet caster's master for the first time as well uh, i want to say oh shit this scene actually kind of whips ass too yeah it does and we get the whole rule breaker stuff uh so sh- fuck rule breaker is so tight a lot of a lot of cool shit pops off in days nine through eleven um and so I think, yeah that'll be good i think we actually don't need to worry about shinji this upcoming uh, podcast it'll be the next one yeah yeah no that that'll be like after the berserker stuff or, or concurrently i can't remember exactly how that sequence of events, events play out but uh I, I believe that shinji content is like somewhere in around day 13 yeah that sounds about right uh all right so anyway um I guess that'll be it. Uh, Sierra, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Rhetoric Acrobat. Uh, you can find me. That's kind of it. You can find me on Twitter at StiltsTheGM. Uh, and as always, uh, remember podcasts end when you stop recording. Fuck Shinji, man.